morning, church. How are we feeling this morning? Woo! All right, good. Man, we're off to a good start already. Uh, oh, man. man. It is good to be with y'all this morning. Thank you, worship team, uh, for leading us in worship and song this morning. Absolutely fantastic job. Church, can we just thank you, worship team? Amen. And church, thank y'all for being here this morning. It is good to see your faces today. Uh, it's just good to be with you. Uh, I know, I feel like the last couple of weeks I've seen a lot of new faces that uh, I haven't recognized, which is fantastic. Love seeing new people come to our church each and every week. And so if I have not had the opportunity to meet you face to face yet, uh, my name is Brandon uh, and I'm the student pastor here at Legacy. And we are just uh, overjoyed that you have chosen to be with us this morning in worship. Uh, we've been in this series the last couple, uh, I feel like several months now, uh, where we've been talking about exiles, what it looks like for people people, uh, for God's people, us as Christians, to live in a world separate from the God that we worship, right? What it means to be separated from God, how we found ourselves in the, this separation from God and here on this earth. Uh, we talked about what God has asked us to do as exiles, what, what it means to be faithful uh, to the calling of Jesus, to live faithful lives for him. And so this week, uh, we're going to kind of go in a little bit of a different direction, and we're going to talk about something uh, that is a reality for us as we live in this world as exiles. We're going to talk about suffering. Yay, right? Like, feel good, uplifting content this morning. You're super glad you came to church today. Uh, no, I get it. Like, suffering, it's not anybody's favorite topic, right? And I'm not going to share any stories, but even just several conversations with church members this morning before the service, uh, man, suffering is a real thing. Suffering is a real thing that each and every one of us go through. And as I was preparing this week and I was researching and looking up different uh, encouragements and different things about what suffering looks like in the Christian life, uh, I came across this quote, and I wanted to share it with you this morning. It's a quote uh, actually from a very famous Kung Fu master, uh, and his name is Master Shifu. Does anybody know? Yeah? Anybody? Any Kung Fu Panda fans out there? Yeah? Yeah, all right, maybe, maybe I should go over to kids' ministry. Uh, no, uh, you know, he says, in the, uh, he says in the movie as he's training, training uh, uh, I forgot his name. Anyway, he's training in Kung Fu. He says, the true path to victory is to find your opponent's weakness and to make him suffer for it, to take his strength and use it against him until he finally falls or quits. And when I came across this, I was at first, I was like, that is not the kind of suffering that I was looking up, right? Like, that, that's not encouraging at all about suffering. And so I moved on, and I kept moving on, and, but I kept coming back to this quote over and over and over. It just kind of stuck in the back of my mind. And as I got to thinking about it, this is the exact tactic that I would expect from our enemy. This is exactly what Satan does to cause hurting in our world and in our lives. He finds exactly what makes us hurt, and he makes us suffer for it. He finds exactly what causes doubt and what causes fear in each and every one of our lives and he begins to attack away at those things. He makes us suffer and suffer again so that we begin to question our faith and we begin to question our resolve to follow after Jesus and what he has taught us. And so I think it's safe to say that we have all felt it, right? Some of you in this room may be feeling it more than others right here and right now, that thing in your life or that situation, or maybe it's that fear, or sadly enough, maybe it's that person that knows exactly where to dig at you, exactly where to hit you, to knock you off your feet, to bring you down to your knees because they know what your weak spot is. And they know how to cause you pain and how to cause you suffering, how to bring you down. 
Suffering is a real thing that happens in each of our lives. It's a real thing and it never feels good. Like my go-to response when I'm in the midst of suffering is not to rejoice or to be happy or to even to listen to encouragement, to let other people try to encourage me in my life. That's not my go-to in the midst of suffering. And oftentimes we don't even want to talk about suffering, right? We don't even want to mention it. We don't want to say it out loud because if we say it out loud, it makes it real. It makes it a reality in our lives if we talk about those things. But what we need to understand is suffering is real. Suffering is a reality for our lives, and suffering is exactly what it says it is. It's suffering. Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, uh, verse 33, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He literally says, I've been teaching you all this time. I've been encouraging you all this time. I've been building you up because the reality is this world is going to be trouble for you. You are going to experience trouble. You are going to experience suffering, living as exiles here on this earth. He told us so that we are aware of that truth. And so this morning, I want us to talk about it. I want us to talk about that truth that suffering is a reality in our lives. So grab your Bibles this morning uh, and flip over to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. If you don't know where that is, flip all the way to the end and then go back a couple of pages. You'll find it, I promise. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to read a couple of verses in the second half of 1 Peter 4, uh, but we're going to start off in verse 12 this morning. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed of it. Praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. The first thing that I want us to look at this morning, based off of our passage in 1 Peter 4, the first thing that I want us to look at is super uplifting again, suffering is inevitable. Suffering is inevitable in our lives. Peter says right out of the gate, hey, don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal that you're going to encounter. Right, The fiery ordeal that is testing you even right now. Essentially what he's saying is don't be surprised when life gets hard. Right when, when all the trials of your life begin to stack up, when the, you feel the walls kind of closing in around you or you begin to feel the flames, you begin to feel the heat of the fire, it's not an abnormality that is happening to you. Right? These things are a reality for us. Suffering and discomfort is going to happen in each and every one of our lives. Now the thing is, that is not to diminish or even minimize suffering. Right? Like I said, it's a reality, and it's, it's a hard reality. 
It's totally justifiable to feel like your head is kind of spinning in the midst of when you're going through suffering. It's totally justifiable to look out and not be sure if there's going to be daylight on the other side of the storm that you're going through. Is there going to be a way out? Is there going to be a way to escape it? It's totally justifiable oftentimes to feel alone in our suffering like there is nobody else around you. And I think that's why we hear phrases um, like don't suffer alone or don't suffer in silence because our suffering needs community. Our suffering needs people around us. We need to talk about it. Like we said at the beginning, we don't like to talk about it because it makes it real, but we need to talk about it. We need to go to other people who are going to build us up because we need help carrying the weight that we feel of the suffering in our world. We need other people who can help sustain us through it. Suffering is inevitable to happen to our lives, and the reality is it comes from a lot of different aspects as well. It comes from almost every angle that we can experience. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 8 and 9 tell us we are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. It says as a follower of Jesus, y'all, we are hit from every angle. We are hit mentally, and we're hit physically. We're hit spiritually. We're hit emotionally. It's, it's like your Stanley mug, right? Or if you're a Yeti fan, it's like your Yeti mug. It comes in a variety of sizes and shapes and colors. You can customize your uncomfortable experience and your suffering, right? It comes in a variety of different ways, but it comes at us from every situation and every angle and every side. It says we are pressed in from every side. From every angle, we are left perplexed. Oftentimes, we are left confused in our suffering. We are, we are persecuted. We are struck down. We're uh, but not destroyed. Anybody remember that old song? Like, we are blessed beyond the curse. Anybody? Nobody. All right. Okay. God boy, y'all. Sorry. My mind just went straight off on a rabbit trail right there. But no, um, like it says, like, we, we're perplexed. We're pressed in on. We're persecuted. We're struck down. We're left wondering, wondering why all of these things are happening to us. But look back at the verse because the encouragement that comes with it is the fun part, right? We are pressed, but not what? Crushed. Amen. We're pressed, but not crushed. We are confused, we're perplexed, but what? We are not left in our own despair. We are, we are not abandoned, we are not destroyed, because even in the midst of our suffering, we are not alone there. Jesus promises to be there with us. Suffering is inevitable, but it is not a solitary place. Even though it feels like that sometimes, it's not. It's not a solitary place, and it doesn't last forever. Jesus promises to be there with us. Now, basing off of that and looking at the next thing this morning, this one is kind of a bummer as well, and I think it's a little bit harder pill to swallow. But the second thing that I think we need to see this morning is that our suffering is actually a blessing. The suffering is a blessing. And you know, you're probably, uh, if, if you're on social media, you've probably seen the meme video, uh, and this is probably what your mind's thinking, like, whoa, 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 right? Like, suffering is not a blessing. Brandon, like, pump the brakes here. But I promise you it is, all right? Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, verses 2 through 5, it says, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. 
It says as Christians, we are meant to rejoice in our sufferings, to be glad that we suffer for the name of Jesus, to count it as glory in our lives. Because why? Because through our suffering, it produces perseverance. Perseverance to continue on in the will of God. Perseverance to continue being the person that God has created us to be. And in that perseverance, it produces character. Character to be the man and the woman that God has purposed us to be, that he has called each and every one of us to be in our lives. And through that character, we also gain hope. Hope to know that our suffering is not for nothing. Hope that doesn't cause shame or guilt in our life. It doesn't cause separation because God's love has been poured out on us. That his presence through the Holy Spirit is with each and every one of us. So yes, I dare say this morning that suffering is actually a blessing. Back into 1 Peter chapter 4, he tells us, remember that in our sufferings that one day our hope that is all that we just talked about in Romans is going to be fully realized when we get to see Jesus face to face. One day as Christians, as God's people, people who bear the name of Jesus on our life, we are going to get to see God in his full glory. And the reason that we get to see God in his full glory is because Jesus has already suffered on our behalf. Right? Jesus took the ultimate suffering upon himself on the cross so that we could be counted as redeemed. I like to think of it as like the ultimate group project, right? Where one person shows up and does all the work and everybody else just shows up on the test day and gets the good grade, right? Jesus showed up and did all of the suffering on our behalf. He did the hard work and we get to show up and we get to share in the reward because of how much he loves us, how much he loved us to carry all of that burden for us. And I love, I love, I love that both passages in Romans 5 and 1 Peter 4, I love that it says our sufferings don't bring us into shame. I think oftentimes we think they do, right? Like, why me? We think our sufferings are, are, are a, a consequence of our action. We think our suffering is a result of not being close enough to God. We think it's our fault sometimes. We feel that shame. We feel that guilt in the midst of our suffering. But these passages say, no, our sufferings don't bring us shame. In fact, what they do is they bring us closer to Jesus, right? It says we bear the name of Jesus on our life. Rejoice because you bear the name, the name of Jesus that doesn't deal in shame, the name of Jesus that doesn't deal in guilt, The name of Jesus that doesn't press you down because you did the wrong thing or you said the wrong thing or or God forbid that that you thought the wrong thing. The name of Jesus doesn't deal in that kind of shame. The The name of Jesus deals in hope. It deals in salvation. It deals in grace. Grace beyond our actions beyond our words, grace enough to offer salvation to us even when we don't deserve it. Your sufferings for the sake of Jesus, for God's will, church, it's a blessing. It's not a shame. It's not an extra hurt in your hat. It is blessing that it brings us closer back to him. Don't let the voices in your head tell you different. Don't let the voices of our world tell us different. Our suffering is a blessing when it brings us back closer to him. The third thing that I want us to look at that tells us in our passage today, in our suffering, right? Suffering is inevitable, and suffering can be a blessing when it brings us back to Jesus. 
The last thing I want to look at this morning is in your suffering, do good. In your suffering, do good. Look back at verse 19 of 1 Peter 4. Uh, Peter gives us the instructions. He says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator. And what? Continue to do good. You know, there's a job I had some years back. Uh, not this job, I promise, right? And I'm based on the story in a second. It's not this job, I swear. Uh, but it was, it's been some years ago, but I had a job um, that I just wasn't really excited about. Right? It, was a job, it was a job that paid the bills. That's all it did, right? I think, I think you know what I mean when I say that. Like, like it, my heart was not in this job. I was not excited about the job task. I wasn't excited about the place that I was working. It, it wasn't doing anything that I was super passionate about. Like, I felt like... I felt like God had given me more ability, he'd given me more wisdom, he'd given me more purpose uh, than, than to do what I was currently doing, but he also hadn't opened a door for what I felt like he had asked me to do. Uh, he hadn't opened that door yet, and so, but even still, when your electricity bill comes due, you, you have to pay electricity or they shut your lights off, right? Or when your fridge is out of groceries, you, you have to get a paycheck so that you can go fill your fridge with groceries. And so that's what this job was for me. It was something that paid our grocery bill. It was something that kept the lights on at our apartment at the time. Uh, and so I remember at first I was really determined. I was going to go in. I mean, I'm going to put my best foot forward. Like, I, I don't want this job. I don't want to be there. But you know what? Maybe, maybe it's something that could lead to something else, right? Uh, so I'm going to go in and I'm going to do this job to the best of my abilities. I'm going to I'm going to look at my job tasks. I'm going to do those, and then I'm going to do some more on top of that, right? I'm going to walk around the hallways, and I'm going to be I'm going to be the guy that's always got a smile on my face. I'm going to say hi to people. I, if I accomplish nothing else. I'm going to be the guy that everybody wants to be around, right? There's always that guy in your workplace. There's always the guy that everybody just loves and they want to be around. That's, that's what I was like. You know what? I don't want this job, but I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be the guy that everybody wants to be there. But like I said, my heart wasn't in it, right? I wasn't excited or passionate about this job, and no amount of smiling or working hard was ever going to change that. And eventually, my attitude turned pretty sour, I had a poor attitude going in, and it just got worse the longer that I was there. Uh, I, I stopped smiling in the hallways. I stopped saying hi to people. I stopped being friendly to the people that I came across. Eventually, honestly, I stopped doing the job task. I would just show up and not even work. I, I just, I was not a great person, and I was did not have a great attitude, right? I, and even though I never said it out loud, I think everybody around me noticed that, like, I just didn't want to be there. Um, and so one day, one day my boss called me into his office and, um, and he just wanted to check in. Right. And the funny thing is I, I knew, I knew he knew and he knew that I knew he knew. Right. And so when he asked, he's like, how you doing, Brandon? And I'm like, you know, like, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be honest. And so I told him, I said, man, I'm struggling. I really am. I'm struggling. This is not what I want to do. I feel like God uh, wants me to do so much more. He's gifted me to do so much more, but but he hasn't allowed me to do any of those things yet. And I'll never forget, my boss looked at me and he goes, well, Brandon, I wouldn't trust you with anything else right now either. <laughs> I was like, what? You know? <laughs> he goes, Brandon, if you can't be faithful in the little things that are right in front of you, how can I trust you to be faithful in the bigger things that you desire to do? At church in that moment, like... I, f I remember crying in that moment. I felt tears just kind of hitting me. It was like a flood hitting me all at once. All the moments that I had been unfaithful to what God had asked me to do. 
all the moments that my attitude was just pure garbage, all the times that I treated people less than the respect that they deserved, like all the times that I was so disappointed in myself because I forgot what I was there to do, what I was supposed to be there to do. I hadn't been faithful to do good. Even when I felt like I was suffering, when I felt like I was going through it, I was just in a bad place in my life. I forgot what Peter says, that even in your suffering, commit yourselves to your faithful creator and continue to do good, to be good, to share goodness with those around you. He says in verse 19, if you're suffering, if you're following after God's will, and if you're suffering, if you're hurting, if you're fighting through it right now, continue to commit yourself to a faithful God. He says, be faithful like God is faithful to us. Go out and do good in this world. Don't complain about your suffering. Don't feel like you're, you're poor, pitiful me. Don't, don't let your attitude tell other people how much disdain you have for that situation or let your attitude tell other people how much disdain you might even have for those other people around you. He says, Christian, go out there and do good. Commit yourself to be faithful, to do good, to be good, and to share goodness into our world. And if you back up just a few verses, we didn't look at them this morning, but in 1 Peter 4 verse 7, Peter even tells us earlier in this passage, what does it look like to do good? He says we need to pray. We need to love each other deeply. We need to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. We need to use our God-given gifts to bless other people. We need to speak with humility and with kindness. I'm going to say that one again because I need to hear it. Speak with humility and with kindness. We need to serve as faithful stewards of God's grace. Ultimately, when we find ourselves in the good and the bad, we need to flip the script. We need to be faithful to what God has placed in front of us, the little things, the big things, and we need to do the good that God has asked us to do. The best part of this is, is when we do good in the midst of the bad, other people will take notice. They'll notice that something is different about you. You're in the midst of suffering. You're in the midst of hurting and struggling, yet there's something different about you. Why do you not act like you're in the midst of suffering and hurting and brokenness? What's different about you? And they'll ask, hey, what's different? Why, why can you do good when nobody else can? And that's an opportunity for you to tell them about the relationship you have with Jesus and the fact that he calls you and I to something greater. He calls us to be goodness in this world as a reflection of our relationship with him, as a reflection of the goodness of God that he has shown each and every one of us. It's an opportunity for us to tell other people about how good of a savior that Jesus is to each of us. It's funny to me as I was prepping for this sermon and trying to figure out which direction uh, to go this morning, what God wanted to say uh, through this message. There's one verse that just kept coming into my mind over and over and over. And I think the funny thing is, uh, the, the reason the verse kept coming into my mind is because it's literally on the back of every student ministry shirt that we give out every year. Like we get a new color shirt, same verse. Right? It's literally on a giant poster in Legacy Hall where the students meet each and every week. And this verse has kind of become the foundation of our student ministry for years now. It's what, it's what I hope our students will aspire to. 
But even still, as, as I was looking at this verse this week, I realized like I was missing a complete, like a huge part of the verse, like a major part of what it says. And so uh, in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, it says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Like I always focus on that first part of the verse. Like, I want to know Christ, right? Like, that's a good thing. I want to know Christ, and I want to know him so fully that I become exactly like him in everything that I do and everything that I say and the way that I treat people and the goodness that I try to accomplish in this world. I want to know Christ. And this is what I want our students to have in the back of their minds. Everything that they do, I want to know Jesus so fully that I act like him, I speak like him, and I lead other people to him. But as I was reading this verse this week, I noticed there's a second half of that sentence, right? Yes, I want to know Christ, and I want to know the power of his resurrection. But look at the next part of the sentence. And participate in his sufferings. I want to know Christ, but I also want to participate in his sufferings with him. Here's the deal. Like we mentioned at the beginning of the message, Jesus says, in this world, you and I are going to have trouble. We are going to experience suffering. We're going to experience criticism. We're going to experience frustration. We're going to feel anxiety. We're going to see sickness. We're going to get hurt. We're going to have bitterness. We're going to have guilt. We're going to feel angry about certain, certain situations. We're going to go through broken relationships and even more things because this place is not our home. This world is not our home, right? We don't belong here when we belong to Jesus. When we bear the name of Christian, when we bear the name of Jesus on our life, when we have started that relationship, that saving grace relationship with Jesus, we no longer call this place home. Our home is sitting at the feet of Jesus, rejoicing and praising a Savior who loved us so much he didn't want us to suffer any longer. That is where our home is. We belong with him. And because we belong to him, we belong with him, this world isn't going to love us any more than it loved him. It's not going to love the message that we preach any more than the message that he preached. He says we are going to suffer in this world because we belong with him. We are exiles on this earth. We don't belong here. Hear me this morning. This world is going to be rough. Jesus tells us as much. If this world was awesome and perfect and all just sunshine and rainbows, y'all, we wouldn't need Jesus. We wouldn't need the future hope that he offers us. But this world is full of suffering. It is full of broken relationships. It is full of fear and anxiety and doubt and all these things that we go through on a daily basis. It is full of those things. So we do need hope. We do need the hope and the salvation that Jesus offers us. And the great part is, by knowing Jesus, that if we know him and we participate in those same sufferings that he participated in, we can rejoice because we know that by knowing him, we can rest easy. We can know that our future home is not a place of suffering. Our future home is a place of hope. Our future home is a place of healing. Our future home is a place of mended relationships and peace and rest. 
Sickness doesn't live there. Shame doesn't live there. Guilt does not live there. Anxiety does not live there. Fear does not live there. Our future hope, our future home is a place of just that. Hope, peace, and rejoicing. Because we get to sit at the feet of Jesus and thank our Savior for bringing us back home to be with Him. We started with this, John 16, 33. He says, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But take heart, Christian. Be confident and rest easy because Jesus has already overcome the suffering of our world. He took it upon himself so that you and I didn't have to go through the worst part. We go through some stuff, amen? We feel it, amen? But man, how awesome is it that we don't have to feel any more than we do because Jesus loved us enough to take it upon himself. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have suffering. Suffering is inevitable. You're going to go through it at some point. But it can be a blessing when it points you back to Jesus, when it makes you rely on him, when it brings you closer to him. So church, let's do what Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4 this morning, to be faithful to a faithful God, to trust in him and his plan and to know that our suffering has meaning, that our suffering is a blessing. Let's go out and let's do good in this world so that other people can get away from their suffering as well and experience the hope and the grace and the peace that comes with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Would y'all pray with me? God, we come before you this morning, and God, I just thank you. Before anything else, I just thank you. Thank you for the hope that we get to profess. Thank you for the peace that we get to experience. Thank you for the salvation, God, that you offer to each of us. God, we thank you that in the midst of the suffering of this world and the, and the hardships and the trials, God, we know, we know that you're there with us. We know that you care for us. We know that you know each one of us by name and you care about the things that we go through. You care about the sufferings that we experience. So God, would you build us up? Would you remind us that your presence is always with us? Would you help us to see our hardships and our struggles as a blessing? Would you help us to turn back to you and not be surrounded by the things that we can't control. God, help us to do good. Help us to experience your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name I pray.